Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we actually, I don't know if we're going to answer anybody's money questions. We typically do. The show works like this generally. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And my colleague, my friend, my brother, who's not my brother, Damian Dunn, answers the questions with me. He joins me now in studio. Hello, Dame. Hey, Pete. So this week, it's sort of story time. I've got a couple different situations that have just occurred recently that I want to explore with you and and see if we can come to some semblance of, uh, uh, you know, thoughts. We don't have to agree. That's how the show works. By the way, uh, Damien is the Director of Personal Financial Strategies at Your Money Line, and I happen to be the <clears throat> Chief Executive Officer. All right, Dame. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't saying that, like, oh, look at my title, but it sort of came out that way. Yeah, there was a, a, an eye roll on this side of the microphone. Well, it absolutely came out that way. All right, Dame, here's what we got. I was talking to a guy who was in his 30s earlier this week. And the guy over the last couple of years has been grinding to fix his financial life and has made tremendous progress, like very, very impressive. And he's so moved by the change that he sees that he is willing to talk to his 22-year-old brother about what it is to establish and start a, a wonderful financial life. Nice. Right? Like anything, fitness, nutrition, money, you know, religiosity, anything. It's like people, it's contagious, right? So he talks to his brother, he evangelizes, to his brother who's 22, and the brother I think makes like seventy five, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year as a 22-year-old. Nice. That's not bad. No. And even better than that, he's single. Well. I don't have picks. My point is this. The guy I was talking to convinces his brother to max out his retirement account. So his 401k is putting over $19,000 a year into it or whatever. Uh, and he's getting the employer match. And he's putting $6,000 into his Roth IRA every year. Right? Is that the max? Yeah. Okay. He's putting, I mean, all told with the match, he's like thirty grand a year at age 22 going away for retirement. That's incredible. If you could get back in a, get into a way back machine. Oh, man. The things that you wish you could have done when you were 22. I mean, there's lots of stuff I'm, I'm sure that you wish you could have done when you were 22, but man, stash away 30 grand a year for the first five or six years of your career. When you think of your financial regrets, oh. I will just list my, my two main ones. I didn't really take retirement as seriously as I should have until I was 28. And I have to tell you, things were going pretty well from 22 to 28. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got some stuff from it and I had several meals and then I went through some weight loss. Um, but, <laughs> but I regret that. I mean, I seriously regret that. I also regret a housing decision or two in the middle that just didn't make a lot of sense. I, I don't think I necessarily got burned. Do you have financial regrets? Yeah. Uh, there, my, uh, my dad passed away about 11 years ago and only child. So I, I, got whatever was left over sure. and uh, there was a, a business in there mm-hmm. and at the time uh, my wife and I were were dinks and we mm-hmm. were, we were double we were, income no kids yeah we were making some some good cash similar to you yeah wasn't as tight with the 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 opportunity that was yeah. was given to me so th- we could have had some some serious upside but we uh 
we enjoyed ourselves. So what ends up happening is this, the young man, the 22-year-old, the, the brother of the guy, uh, says, okay, I've done that. Oh, and he also has a full emergency fund, three months expenses. Fantastic. I mean, can you imagine that at 22? The guy's like, hey, uh, the brother, I'd like to get a Tesla now. And the 30-something-year-old that I was talking to is like, no, man, that's a terrible idea. And so the whole point of this is the the guy came to me. He said, do you think my brother should get a Tesla? And I sort of thought about it for a beat. And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I actually do. And I, I want to talk about that. Now, I don't want to be proven right. I mean, hopefully we understand the show is not about me uh, being validated. It, it's about, like, let's think through this. So, Dame, can you think of a reason why this 22-year-old shouldn't buy a Tesla. But, uh, time out. Okay. I don't want him to reduce what he's setting away, right? I don't want him right. to reduce any of those things. I'm just saying with his additional cash flow that he has available, now he has a full emergency fund. Should he buy a Tesla? I think it's perfectly reasonable for him to do something like that because... I, He's already crushing his goals, uh, assuming that he's he's doing everything that he wants right now to prepare for his future, which it absolutely sounds like he is. Now, if there's a uh, maybe a house goal in there that he he should maybe potentially be saving some setting uh, some cash aside for, you could argue that maybe that might be a better use for it long term. But goodness, I mean, it's pretty low on the scale of potential mistakes. For, yeah. for everything else that this guy's got going on right now, going out and getting a Tesla when you're 22 and have plenty of cash flow for it, presumably, based on everything else right. that, that we know about, um, there are much worse decisions that could be made. And I, I don't want to start splitting hairs here, and I would be the one splitting hairs. I, I don't want to say, well, it's more fuel efficient, so that's actually a good decision. We're not going to do that. But here's the other thing. When you're 22, let's say 22 to 30, for that matter, I think what you want is flexibility. Sure. You, you, he's not dating anyone, according to his brother, right? He he lives with a, a roommate in an apartment. You know, why would you want to put down roots in your 20s? And this isn't too old. I mean, this is too old guys yeah. looking, old married guys with kids. Yeah. Looking back, uh, this guy's awesome. Um. <laughs> But I, I think sometimes when we, we look at consumerism and we look at, oh, just keep saving, keep grinding, at some point in time, I just disagree. I, I think there's this idea that, you know, what he's thinking about doing could still be classified as a minimalist decision because with minimalism, you buy something very nice and you have one of them. Now, sure. if he wanted two or three cars, I think that's stupid. Yeah. But to have one really nice car that... You know, I don't know how you, you're the tar car guy. I mean, yeah. a Tesla, a good idea? <laughs> yeah, I should be asking you. Yeah. I don't think it's a, a horrible idea. Uh, there's some mixed reviews on, you know, you know, the craftsmanship and how well it's put together and whatnot. But it's it's it seems to be a fine car for most people. So, you know, one of the things that, that we get challenged with every once in a while is, man, I'm working on these goals. I'm grinding. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And one of the quickest ways to get burnt out is to not take time and do something for yourself or for your spouse or, or significant other, whoever's in that relationship with you. Because frankly, it gets very fatiguing to just focus on that the whole time. So if there's one little way that you can splurge every once in a while, 
go for it. And in this young man's case, it sounds like he has the capacity to do it. So go for it, man. I agree. You know, I think if you can take care of your long term, which is generally the hardest thing to do, but since he started so early, I mean, this guy will have millions of dollars. Yeah. His short term is fine because he's got a nice, seems like a stable job from what his brother said. He's got an emergency fund. He'll have reliable transportation as long as there's a plug. Uh, the midterm, though, is interesting with this guy. But I would argue at 22, not in a relationship, I, I, I would question how much your midterm stability, how much of a priority it really is, man. Because why would a 22-year-old start putting together a strategy to buy a house? Like I, don't, I just, I don't know. I mean, just keep crushing your long-term goals. Um, enjoy yourself in the moment. And if you want to start, you know, when the time comes and you need to start thinking about midterm stuff or things that's, you know, five years down the road, he's probably going to have the flexibility to do that. It's not going to throw a major wrench into his situation because from what we know, it sounds like he's got the capability to do that. Can you pull a financial calculator up real quick? <laughs> Please hold. Yeah. Oh, we, no, we're not going to do that. We'll do okay. it during the break. Pull okay. it up because right. uh, I want to know a $30,000 deposit for eight years, how much the money that I got high by the time okay. he's 30. Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the recession. So much talk about it right now. I want you to have our opinion and how to take care of you and your family. This is Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame and I were talking during the break, doing, doing some, doing some math. So the kid in the first—is it offensive to call a twenty-two-year-old a kid? I do it all the time. So yeah, it is probably. Yes, probably. Uh, so this kid's putting away twenty-five hundred dollars a month for the future at twenty-two, and so the question becomes, how much will he have at age thirty? And and the best our estimate is three hundred thirty-four thousand. Yeah, and and we were going to plan on it. Was it a forty-five-year or thirty-five? Yeah, let's say at a forty-five. Forty-five. Sorry, I. I uh, let's say he was he retires at sixty-seven. How much would he have if he kept at that pace? Uh, actually, that turns into thirteen point one million dollars. Thirteen point one million dollars. Yeah, if it's forty-five years, thirteen point one million dollars. Start early, kids. All right, Dame. Uh, lots of talk about recessionary conditions. How? We're going to break this down two different ways. And if it takes two, te- two segments, it takes two segments. How worried should someone be? And, and what can be the personal finance impact is the first uh, group of questions. The second is really, what do you do about it? Like, how, how can you make decisions now that don't hurt you? Uh, so let's begin with, should the average Joe or the average Joan care? Be worried. No. No, they shouldn't. There's plenty of things that you are going to hear on the radio or on TV or read in the newspaper that are going to freak you out. And those are put there purposely because they need to sell stuff. They need to sell advertising or copies or whatever it is. It will turn itself around. And if you are one of those people that need to or want to consider retiring uh, during that recession or shortly thereafter, there are ways and things that you can do to try and mitigate the, the impact that you're going to feel from, from that downturn. It can still be possible. And if it's not, you've still got options. So should you be worried? 
Not really, not overly, but I understand when people are. When it, certain people just lose sleep over stuff like this, and that's, that's normal. It's okay. So I'm not trying to minimize the, those, sure. those emotions by any stretch of the imagination, but um, no, don't be overly concerned about it. I have two groups of people, three groups of people, that m- maybe not be concerned about it, but need to really be cognizant of how it impacts sure. them. Okay, so here are my groups. Number one, if you get a lot of overtime. Oh, yeah. Okay, so if you're in a manufacturing job or some other profession in which overtime is a, is a major thing and it accounts for a, you know, a big part of your income and you've been getting it for years, if we have a recession, it's not out of bounds to suggest that your employer will have to slow down production mm-hmm. to meet demand, which means overtime goes away. We see it all the time. Dame, I find that can be really difficult if you've only lived in uh, overtime conditions for the last 10 years or so. Sure. Uh, that can, it, it can pre- present a challenge to you. The thing is, we're not experiencing it yet. Which is means we can, we can take care of business. That's right. We've got a chance to adjust now before things potentially, uh, we don't even know if they're going to get ugly but potentially get ugly later. And you know they will at some point. Yeah. I'm not saying we're never going to have a down period again, but uh, we don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. Sounds like you got to... <laughs> I need to buy cough buttons. Yeah. It's, it's been 10 years. Let's, let's put it in the budget. By the way, just realize, I just occurred to me as we're doing this segment, I want to get this all in in this segment because I remember we had that prenup question that oh, com- came in. Did you see it? I, th- I think I did. I want to talk about that today. I, All right. So the other group of people I worry about, and I don't worry, <laughs> I worry about them because it's still reality, are people who say half my income is base salary and the other half is bonus. And that may sound crazy, but I, I actually see that quite a bit and uh, or or some you know big percentage like that. that. That's a bad thing because if profitability goes down in a recession, you're going to find a lot of people who spend a lot of money who, who make a lot of big decisions around homes and cars, you're going to find it tighten and that, that, that could be bad. And then the uh, third group of people are people who are considering and planning and have been planning to retire in the next year or two. Because then you think, well, you could see some pullback in the market. And as we've talked about recently, and as you've talked about on an upcoming project coming out soon, uh, sequence of return risk is a problem and it can really mess up retirement. Yeah. Uh, sequence of returns, um, is a legitimate concern. However, there are ways also to, uh, try and shield yourself from the effects of a sequence, a, a poor sequence of returns. Um, so if you think that might be where you're headed with retirement and a potentially dicey economy coming, um, do yourself a favor and talk to some financial advisors, not just one, you know, three, two, three probably, and tell them what your situation is and how they would handle it, how they could potentially help you uh, lessen the impact of a bad sequence of returns on your retirement. Let's tackle the first two issues first of how to how to mitigate, you know, the idea that the recession could be coming. All right, Dame, let's say the recession's coming six months from now. I, I don't know. We just got to pick a number and go with it, all right? What can someone do over the next six months to protect their own personal economy? What questions do they need to ask themselves? What what weaknesses do they need to look for in, in order to make sure that they can 
pour money into the market when it's going down as opposed to just sitting there, you know, considering whether to sell or not? I think you've got to start with your current expenses and and what you are spending on a month-to-month basis, whether that's just normal recurring stuff or if there are some outstanding debts that you can get cleared up between now and whenever this market hits to free up some cash flow and give you that flexibility to either um, take it, you know, just take care of things that are going on at home or maybe take advantage of some opportunities in the market as the, the market continues to go down in the future. If, if you can increase your, your 401k contribution or start that Roth that maybe you've been putting off and take advantage of depressed prices in the stock market, um, you'll end up ahead in the long run. You know, Mrs. Planner and I have been doing a lot of financial planning here personally mm-hmm. in-house recently. A lot of conversations, a lot of projections. And I'll be honest, we have a lot of financial conversations in general, but it's been a long time since we've really gotten strategic like we're getting right now. Uh, and it feels good. It feels, yeah. feels really good. Yeah. Have you guys done it recently? Um, not combined. I know we've each kind of been kicking things around in our own heads. And it, this, uh, for a little peek behind the covers, I'm a certified financial planner. My wife's a CPA. So you can imagine some of the lively conversations that we have around our done household. Exactly. Um, so it, it's, it's never too far from our minds in our household, but it's still just as easy for us to just kind of let, let things go on cruise control for a while. So it's always good to come back and have those conversations. I think what our goal is going into the recession, go into this hypothetical recession, predicted recession, whatever, is that you give your chance, give yourself a chance to make tomorrow easier, right? Because if we know tomorrow is naturally going to be harder, Let's create a scenario in which it is, in fact, easier. Now, here's the the weird part about all of this, Dame. By the nature of a recession, if you stop spending so much right now to take care of your own personal economy, and everyone does that, we all speed up the recession. Yeah. We make the recession worse, which is why President Trump apparently, allegedly, reportedly, talked about suspending some payroll tax Mm -hmm. so that people would have more money in their pockets to go spend. But I I hate to say this. First of all, I think it's a horrible idea because it's going to mess up Social Security even worse. But if he does it, and by the way, uh, people on both sides of the aisle have done this over the years, Mm -hmm. okay? This is not a GOP thing. Uh, If he does this, I want people to save the money and pay off debt. Don't, Don't spend extra money heading into a recession. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be the absolute wrong choice at that point. Uh, with 30 seconds left, I'm going to drop this bomb. I also wouldn't buy a home right now. No, uh, if you can avoid it, I wouldn't. No way, man. I bought a home in 2007, October 2007. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You got kicked in the teeth. Should have seen it coming. I wish I knew a good CFP at the time. We didn't know each other back then, did we? We did not. Yeah, and I never took the test because I wouldn't pass. Yeah. All right, coming up after the break, prenups. <laughs> oh, it's on the Pete the Planner Show next back on the pete the planner show prenup prenup time dame Mm. i mean if someone just tuned in for the first time like they're driving through the central indiana area on the radio and they're listening to the radio on a sunday around four o'clock and they just turn to this station and then some guy goes, prenup, they've turned it. So they haven't even heard the analysis of what they're doing. Dear (laughs) Pete, love your stuff. That's weird. 
Yeah, I'll take it. That's fine. Have you read your stuff, Loft? I'm oh, moving on. I am 30, as is my girlfriend, and have a serious and complicated question. I wanted to seek some financial and relationship advice. Well, you've come to the right place. Mm-hmm. Two old guys. How should or should I present a prenup? My wonderful girlfriend and I have lived well together for right at about one year, dated for three-ish, and have talked about next step. Ooh. Mm. Is that getting a flat screen TV? What's the next step? Uh, cha-cha. Diners Club card. Ooh. Uh, while we are open and honest on finances, there's always more. She carries a lot of debt from school loans that will likely follow her a long time. Until one year ago, when we moved in together, she had no idea of what a 41K was. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did that. Uh, I'm going to start laughing. I can feel it. Uh-huh. And currently contributes as much as she can monthly now, which is 100 American dollars. What's the what's $100 in pesos? Can you do that real quick? Can you find it? It's probably about a thousand, but I'll check real quick. Okay, I'll keep going, but we'll come back to that. I, however, was fortunate enough to eliminate nearly all of my student loans. We'll pay off the last five k after my tax return this year. I also, do you find it? It is. It's a uh, hundred U.S. dollars would be two thousand thirteen pesos. Okay, let's go back to this section. She had no idea what four hundred one k was, and currently contributes as much as she can monthly now, which is two thousand and thirteen pesos. Wow, <laughs> this changes it. Uh, also, I built a house, which I was lucky to hit the jackpot. The value has increased by 25% in just two years. I've done well with my 401k to a value of $50,000 currently. And pretty much everything in the house is technically mine. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he hasn't gone to like a center? What does that mean? Uh, that mean he just has no debt. Yeah. I have a grandparent that's health is drastically diminishing. Oh, boy. And from what my parents have told me. They saved and had a much more successful career than they let on, which is that generation, by the way. Absolutely. Man, what happens when all of those great older Americans who had much better careers than they let on, what happens when they're gone? Wealth transfer. And what happens when that wealth transfers to people who aren't as good as they let on? Student loans get paid off? No. Probably not. Okay. Uh, so I'm humbled to have some of that wealth heading my way. Dame, you know, but I'm breaking, I'm going back and forth here. I, I get it. I get that mentality. You know, that's one of my least favorite things though, sure. by the way, sort of the preemptive, oh, I'll probably get an inheritance. Is a prenup a good idea? And if so, how the heck do you bring that up? If not, how do I get past that? I know as soon as that noun gets brought up, there's a negative connotation. I had to pause for a second and think it's prenup a noun. Did you? No. Okay. I don't want to come across as stingy. It could have meant stingy. Even mm. though I'm a bit tight or greedy, or that I wouldn't attack her loans the same way I attacked mine. I've talked to a handful of people, and it's dang near 50-50 on their opinions. Your help and guidance are always appreciated. Would appreciate not using my full name. Okay, David Jenkins. Call me Brad. Sorry, All right, Dave. Brad. Sorry, David. <laughs> it's not David. Oh. Uh, that would have been funny, though. <laughs> okay, D- David Donald Jenkins on 123 Mulberry Lane, yeah. Brownsburg, 46. Um, what do you think? I mean, you start. I'm going to have some more coffee. Thanks. Is a prenup a good idea? Um, oh, man. I, this I, is going I well. I hate this question. I, 
I've, it's a, it's going to be a cop out answer. It's so, it's such a personal question. Oh boy, I, it is. I that's why people listen to this show. It is and for I, fence sitting. Okay, okay, which side of the fence do you want? And I'll take the other one, and we'll just try and fight against each other. I'll, I'll, I'll oh. <laughs> See? I. <laughs> I will take the no preed upside. Okay. Just because I think the other one's harder to argue. Yes, David Brad Jenkins. I, I absolutely get a prenup to not only protect yourself, but also protect her interests as well. What are it, her interests? Uh, having a nice All life. All those pesos? No, yeah. Well, a, a nice life in the event that something doesn't work out in your marriage. You need to be able to show her that I'm already thinking about you. And you're going to be okay. It's not going to be something where, um, since I may have more assets than you, my attorney will just run you into the ground. We're going to have this all set up ahead of time. It's quite the spin cycle you were able to generate so quickly. That's the best I can do. Yeah, because yeah, I, and obviously we we assigned you that that particular side of this, but the other side of it is like you're protecting my interests. It sounds like you're protecting your own interests, David. Well, it's all negotiated ahead of time, sweetheart. Okay, well now this got weird. Uh, man, I I have some comments I'll, that are going to come off as offensive. I'll even pay for your attorney, <laughs> and I accept your apology. Okay, Mrs. Planner and I got in a discussion the other night <laughs> and in the middle of the discussion i said look when this is said and done i will i will graciously accept your apology it it turned out that ended up not being the middle of the discussion mm. it was that was now the quarter point yeah i don't fight fair okay old school time i i don't like prenups i know that maybe bad financial planning advice i find it like it's a it's a it's premeditated, like separation. You're, you're okay. I'm gonna step back on your side of the line now. You're, oh, good. You're, you're betting to lose. I think so. And look, the, this is a tough topic because I I have uh, some acquaintances that are about to go through divorce, and um, for a good reason, <laughs> for a good reason, and so it's like, well, I'm I'm arguably glad that that's happening despite the fact that a kid's involved yeah. right i mean mrs planner and i've sort of taken the approach of like all right divorce for us is not an option mm-hmm. that being said neither of us has have done anything horrific yet yeah right so i don't want to be the guy that's like divorce is bad because it's not fair to people that have been through some stuff like mm-hmm. that's just not my feeling mm-hmm. That being said, before those bad things happen, and there's no sign of those bad things, should you pre-mitigate those risks by taking out a prenup? It, does it matter how much the, the inheritance is going to be? Because when people say, I have money coming my way, they generally don't know how much. I mean, it could be 50000 bucks. Sure. It could be three hundred thousand. It could be two million. Do do those amounts matter to this discussion? Maybe I, a smaller amount is going to get consumed almost immediately, probably, or have a, a small uh, um, immediate impact on, on the life, yeah. or if if anything at all. Um, a bigger number that is a life changing number could merit some consideration. I mean, one way around this would potentially be to have 
if it's a huge number, have it put into a trust that is, I don't know. I, I'm not an attorney. Don't play one on TV. Dame, you know I'm an officiant of weddings. That's right. Uh, next spring, I will be officiating a wedding. And, you know, you say to, you know, you all the, the classic words of richness and poor, whatever. You've got this down. Yeah, I, I've nailed it. So you're, you're, you're saying, I'm committing my life to you, but not my money. Right? It's like, how can you say, I'm all in. I want to be with you forever. But if, if it doesn't work out, you can't have the money. Like, I, I, that is my personal non-financial opinion. This isn't even a financial question. I, no. It's not even a legal question. No, Brad, I, I don't like you right now, Brad. Wow. You don't like Brad? This has put us in a very difficult oh, position. It's not because he's thinking this. No, it's because no, no, he's no, making no. us talk about that. Yes. I was like, wow, that's the no. hardest stance you've ever taken. Brad, I'm sure Brad's probably a fantastic person, but I don't like and I can I can feel the struggle, man. That's a tough Absolutely. decision. I'll just say this. You asked for my opinion. I would not do it, but don't come at me in 10 years when she leaves with everything. <laughs> Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and current events. Dame, I want to prenup during the break. With you and me, I'm Pete the Planner. This week's biggest waste of money of the week is... You're back on the Peter Planner Show. Damn, I got a couple for you. Uh, do you want the bad one or the bad one? Let's go with the bad one. Dalai Lama's 1966 Land Rover Series 11A SUV. Delivered to Nepal in 1966. This Land Rover Series... Oh, it's IIA. I don't know. Served as the Dalai Lama's official vehicle for years. It was primarily driven by His Holiness's brother, Tenzig Chaigyal, along the rough roads of the Dharmasala region of India. Chaigyal continued to maintain the vehicle until 2005 when it was donated to the Dalai Lama Foundation in Palo Alto, California, to raise funds for the Tibetan refugees. It's since seen a complete restoration, but arrives with the original seats, interior parts, and tires, as well as extensive documentation proving it's holy provenance. Historically, I added the holy part oh, there. Okay. That was pretty good, though. It was. Historically significant and in an outstanding condition, it would make for a unique addition to any collection. Dame, how much do you think for the Dalai Lama's Land Rover? Uh, Land Rover's... Well, I was about to dive into car car stuff there for a second. So, yeah. uh, um, I don't know. I have 100 grand? That's the, the, the bids grand? start. It's up for auctions. The bids start at 100000 I've never understood the significance or the interest of owning a, fa- a famous person's car. Yeah, I haven't either. I don't really care. Yeah. I'm mildly famous. I've got a, uh, if anyone wants my uh, 2004 RX 330, uh, it's worth about 1500 bucks, but I'll offer it to you for 1650 due to my fame. Are you in? That is a steep premium. The next biggest waste of money of the week is bitter milk bourbon barrel aged old fashioned mix. It's 15 bucks. I would just tell you this, Dame. I would normally buy this. Because I love an old-fashioned. It's my favorite drink. Unfortunately, I went to a bourbon tasting about a week and a half ago. And I ended up tasting all of the bourbon in the world. And I'm taking quite a break from the spicy beverages. Must have been some night. It, it, it was quite the evening. And uh, it, everyone's safe. I Ubered there, Ubered home, over-imbibed. Bad decision. Well, you, well, so you taking made, some breaks. You made a good decision. Uh, what, having you co-host the show? No, Uber. Oh, Uber. Uh, current events this week, one of them close to home, 
So income share agreements are the hottest thing in paying for college. Here's how they work. Unlike a traditional loan, the recipient doesn't pay anything back until he or she secures a job following graduation. Then the borrower is on the hook for a certain percentage of his or her income for a set period of years. Since the agreements are a relatively new form of college financing, there's not a lot of data so far as how well they're working. Purdue University, and I guess we'll call it Central Indiana, uh, is into this. University of California, San Diego, Clarkson University, and classic Messiah College. Uh, however, consumer advocates now are a little concerned that proponents of them argue the agreements aren't loans so they can operate outside of consumer regulations. That's, uh, oddly enough, been my beef, hmm. right? It's like... They're, they're a form of loan. But, but we're seeing now that some of these kind of interest rates in excess of 18%, 18.4%. Dame, why would anyone get into one of these when the equivalent interest rate is north of 18% when you could get a student loan for six? If you cap out your loans, you got to come up with the cash somehow. You That's true. But I think what's happening with these income share agreements they're happening in place of loans, not on top of loans. I feel like these are happening in, in place of loans. Are you skeptical of these income chair agreements? I like the concept, but I, I think, as this article illustrates, there are some things that need to be worked out of the system to make sure everybody understands what's going on, make sure they are reasonable for these students that are taking them out. I mean, there's an, another piece later on in the article that says they're worried about uh, potential discrimination because... Colleges are charging, or sorry, the colleges, not necessarily, but the income share agreements have higher rates for different types of degrees. And they're concerned that that's uh, potentially discriminatory practices. Um, this goes on to show that uh, some of the female-dominated uh, majors pay higher interest rates than, than some of the male-dominated majors. Interesting. However, if you look at what those some of those... Um, majors are, it starts to make a little bit more sense. Plus, they're not treating people inside those majors differently. Everybody that's inside that major gets gets the same interest rate. Um, it's just gender interest, right? Like Exactly. What, what gender is interested in those particular fields. Yeah. So uh, there are some that might make you scratch your head a little bit, but there are others that you know, just kind of like, well, it just, just needs to be worked out a little bit, I think. At a campaign stop this past week, uh, Joe Biden started to lay out, uh, Vice President Joe Biden to you, Dame. That's right. Started to lay out his plans for addressing the student debt and rising tuition crisis. Uh, so he stopped short of his previous position that all four years of public college should be free, saying that instead he supported two years of free community college, cutting in half the cost of four years of college at a state university. He would also reduce many people's monthly student loan payments. I feel like he talked about, or we've talked about this sort of thing before, Dane, where college is free, we're eliminating loans, and all these sorts of things. Do you feel any different now that it's his particular position than you do any time that someone says everything's free? No, there's there's an obvious issue going on here with, with college costs and, and loans, and uh, it's not going to be necessarily a simple solution of, uh, forgiving debt or you know, making certain things free, I, there's got to be a bigger overarching solution to this. And you know, the, these proposals are all out there to do 
uh, one of two things, either garner headlines or garner votes, one or the other. And the, the chances of any of these really coming to fruition are, are probably slim, but it's a discussion that needs to happen. I think anytime we talk about this topic, I feel that it's important for me to disclose that my parents paid for my college education. Same. I, I, I didn't pay anything. Yeah, same. And my commitment to my children is to pay for their college education. And that puts us in a place of privilege. I came from a place of privilege. I'm providing privilege. And so I, I need to at least disclose that because it clearly shapes my opinions on this particular topic. And, uh, but I just don't, I don't think free education for everyone or wiping out student loans. I, I don't, I don't think that's fair, but I, I have no problem if someone disagrees with that. I'm not going to go to the mattresses if, if I disagree, if someone disagrees with me on that. I don't think someone else is wrong if they have a different opinion. Just my particular opinion is I, I don't think free four-year college makes sense, but I don't mind free community college, and I can't tell you why there's a difference in my mind. Free community college, um, I, I would love to see a, a push towards the trades as well. If somebody wanted to... Uh, argue that we should be subsidizing getting people back into the trades, I would definitely listen to that as well. Getting money from the tooth fairies these days is like pulling teeth. Apparently, mm -hmm. there has been a decrease in the amount that the tooth fairy leaves for children. The annual survey from Delta Dental of more than 1,000 parents with kids ages 6 to 12 found that each pearly white commands $3.70 on average down from 413 last year. What? Is this a survey taken in Carmel? Well, I live in Carmel, and, and uh, this tooth fairy in our house gives us Sacagawea. Wow. Well, you can still find those? Yeah. Well, I, I if you, yes, I've got a stockpile of Sacagaweas, wow. just mainly for teeth. I mean, the tooth fairy does. Dollar <laughs> gold coin. I, I, I'm thinking back of all the teeth that our children have lost over the years. Never have they gotten anything north of a dollar. Who's giving their kids? Somebody's giving them a fin. What? That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I I was not aware of, of that inflation in teeth, and my kids will not be listening to this show. At that rate, I will absolutely pull my own teeth out. Yeah. I mean, you get for 16 bucks, that's four teeth. <sighs> Worth it. Dang, this is a great show. I think so. Prenups. Mm. Teslas, mm -hmm. uh, recessions. <laughs> it was like pulling teeth. I love how those <laughs> just fit together. Oh, boy. All right. Hey, if you want to be on the show, I don't care. You can't. Uh, email us, though. Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Dame, thanks for being part of this this week. I, sometimes I don't thank you, and it's it's because in the moment I'm not grateful for you. Well, I appreciate that, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it. I'm seeing good vibes because good vibes are all it's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner program. Mm -hmm.